Welcome to the Coop Tank Podcast. I'm your host, Steve Cooper, coming to you from sweet recording in beautiful Mount Laurel, New Jersey. You know, people, if you have a podcast, a video cast, remote production, or even if you want a studio built, sweet recording's the place for you. Joe and Matthew, not only do they know their stuff, but they're great guys and they're very honest. So check them out at sweet, S-U-I-T-E, recording.com, or email them at hello at sweetrecording.com. Anyway, we have a great show today. I'm excited to have my guest because, well, one, she, she, she's an entertainment person like me, but two, she went to, when I went there, it was Stockton State College. It was probably Stockton University when she went. No, it was still Stockton State. Okay, well, she's a, fe- she's a fellow Osprey and she's all about AC and she's got a great website, thecitypulse.com, and my guest is Whitney Ullman. How you doing, Whitney? I'm doing well. How are you? Now, you know, it's funny, this will air on Wednesday, but okay. you were just in Good Day Philly today now tell me about how you got involved with them because it's so cool that you know and you actually drove from ac up there today which is which is great but tell me how you got involved with them and and how this whole part of your career started oh man that's a loaded question how much time do we have well i got involved with fox 29 about i guess a little over eight years ago 2014 so it's almost i guess nine years that's so crazy Uh, What happened was I was doing an entertainment segment here in Atlantic County uh, called the Entertainment Minute. It was on our NBC affiliate. And we, from doing that, I met a producer who said, hey, I'd love to do a 30-minute program with you. We can interview dignitaries, celebrities, VIPs. And that's what we did. And then from that show, we wound up having a Christmas party in Philly at some venue. And while we were there, I saw Mike Jarek from Fox. And I was like, oh my God, there's Mike Jarek. So I said, you know what? I went up to him. I said, hi, I do a local uh, segment on, you know, an NBC affiliate, but I'd love to bring it to a more regional audience. And he's like, you know what? Give me a call. Let me know. Like after the holidays, let me know. I'm like, okay. But I never followed up because I was like, why would he want me? Like, I don't know. There's a million people that want to be on TV and want to do what I do. But then I started thinking about it. I'm like, Obviously, like I'm already doing what I do. So I have the credibility, the experience. I know how to read a teleprompter. I know how to be live when I need to be. So I said, you know what? I'm just going to email him. And I did. He brought me into the station. I met him there and he introduced me to the booking person. And then they started booking me to do Jersey Shore segments to talk about Atlantic City Entertainment. And just throughout the years, I've been on all the different types of programs and all the morning programs. And it's just been a wild ride. And I absolutely love it. And I'm very honored that they still, you know, use me to do that. And I get to be a voice for Atlantic City. Now, as a kid, were you an entertainment buff? Because I always wonder, you know, because I, on my other podcast, I interview a lot of celebrities and I've always loved entertainment. You know, I, I was a stand up comic on the road for eight years. So that's why I lived in LA. I'd, I've been on some TV, but I've always loved the industry. But you have focused on, you not only focus on entertainment, you focus on food and eating. I mean, you're the person about town. But as a kid, did were you attracted? Like, did you watch TV and say, I want to do that? Or, I mean, how, how does someone become a person about town. It's not, it's, and it's not easy to do. It does happen. Correct. That's like, people are like, Oh, you're so lucky. I'm like, yeah, it's like, took me 20 years to get to that point. Uh, it's weird. First of all, I grew up, I was very shy. I did not. I was, this was not me. I was, I was shy to even talk to my family. I mean, I was just like a shy girl, very quiet, reserved. It wasn't until high school. I started to think 
my mom used to say, you should, you know, go into modeling or go to this thing. And I would go to these different casting calls and I would get picked for them. But then like, I'll never forget being, I think I maybe was 16 and I got picked by John Casablanca in Philly. And I was like, oh, wow. And I went all the way there. My mom took me there and they were like, sorry, you know, you have more of an exotic face, more exotic features. We're looking for more Barbie type, whatever. And I was like, you know, I was like, what, you know, how did you pick me? And now you're telling me no. And that could have derailed me at that time. But then I was like, no, I'm going to go to the next thing. And before you know it, I got picked for Model Search America. And then all these different things started happening. And I'm like, I just started kind of being more in the limelight. I was in college. I grew up having to work to support myself. I've been working since I was 14, multiple jobs. So I always was a worker. And while I was working one day at Hooters, uh, I ended up meeting the producer of a show that was happening at Tropicana. It was called A Tribute to Ed Sullivan. And it was all impersonators. And because I grew up with nothing, basically, and I always had to work to support myself, I was a hustler. So I would always take every table. Like some girls would be like, no, I don't want them. They look like they're not going to tip or I don't. I'm like, I'll take it. I'll take that table. I didn't even care. I was like, whatever. And I used to really like the guys and none of the other girls wanted to wait on them. It was weird. So I was, so I was, they knew me and they liked me and the producer's like, you know what? I want to put you in our show. He's like, you have such a great personality. And you know, we have a, at the time they had an Elvis impersonator and they planted me in the audience and they said, okay, at a certain time at how, during hound dog, you have to get up, act like a crazed fan and run up on the stage and dance with Elvis. So that's what I did for a little while. And then they were like, okay, now we want you to be a backup dancer for little Richard. So then when the little Richard impersonator came out, I was the tutti fruity girl. I don't even know how I did this. It's like ridiculous. And then the only thing I semi regret is the little Richard impersonator also impersonated Ray Charles. And they wanted me to be one of those backup singers to hit the road, Jack. And I'm not a good singer, so I cannot sing. So I never did it. But I, part of me is like, yeah, who cares? I could have just did it and had fun with it. But anyway, that was kind of the start into the entertainment. But I did not grow up. Honestly, even right now, I'm not the biggest. I don't know everything. Like I know a lot about reality and I know about a lot about entertainment, but I, I didn't grow up knowing everything and I'm not a movie buff. I just enjoy I enjoy highlighting and spotlighting people just like you do on your podcast and, and bringing to life what you know people do, bringing to light. I like to do that. So I love talking to people. I love meeting people. And that's kind of where it is for me. What was your major at Stockton? Because I, I always say, you know, for me, and I had Tim Lenahan on the show a few weeks ago, and he's older than me. He went to Stockton. He ended up being the soccer coach for Northwestern. And uh, Stockton always had a vibe to me. And I, I just think the students... It's like we weren't outcasts, but like we didn't. Like I was on the waiting list at Trenton State, and I didn't want to go to Rowan. It's too close <laughs> to my house. I grew up in Cherry Hill. I'm like, I'm not going to school 20 minutes away. I'll go an hour. But there was, to me, it was such a great school, and I think it, because it was a liberal arts school, and it was, you know, even though I got a bachelor of science, I, I still think it really helped me develop. What was your What was your experience in Stockton? Because did you live in Atlantic City and commute? I live in Galloway Township. So I, I was born in Atlantic City, lived there as a baby, and then pretty much for my whole life have lived in Galloway Township. So I live right around the corner from Stockton. It's here. It's always been here. My parents met at Stockton. I always thought I was going to go away to college and live the life of, you know, sorority girl or something, <laughs> live in an apartment with a bunch of roommates. But uh, when I was around 18, 19, I met my now husband. I was working at the video store and he came in and rented videos. It's a long story, but we started dating and 
I stayed in town. So I wound up going to college at Stockton because at the time I was at ACC, which by the way, now it's ACCC. So I was there before the third C, but then I wound up, I wound up at Stockton, but I went to school for finance. I didn't know what I wanted to do. And I was always really good with numbers. And my dad was an accountant and he was great with numbers. So I was like, you know what? I'm going to get my finance degree. And that's what I did. And I actually worked in the mortgage business right after college. That was my like first kind of real major job. But I did not go for, you know, public relations, marketing, any anything that's related to what I'm doing now. It was all learned just from my experiences. Well, explain what you technically, what are you doing now? Tell me about City Pulse because of City Pulse, because it's your website. Tell me what, you know, if someone said to you, Whitney, what do you do? And you know, know. but you but you interview and you do PR and you help. I mean, you're a like I, you know, anyone in this, anyone who's in entertainment has like 87 different hats. But <laughs> what would what would you say that you do? Like if someone said, if someone gave you five minutes to explain what you do, what would you say? Okay. So basically I came up with the idea of the city pulse, but it kind of branched off of go to Whitney. So when I when I graduated college, I worked in the mortgage business. I was also making jewelry at the time. So I started networking and I started meeting all these great people. This one woman took a liking to me and she's like, you have to start coming to these networking events. We're going to, you know, it's all these women. It's so much fun. We meet at 7 a.m. on Wednesdays. I'm like, I'm not getting up at 7 a.m. Like, I'm not even getting up at 6. Like, so then one day I saw her and she said, come to this women's group. It's called Najabo, the New Jersey Association of Women Business Owners. I went, I loved it. I met all kinds of great women who were helping each other in the business. So I joined their board and I wound up being the secretary. Well, the following year, the president stepped down and nobody wanted to do it. So I took over and became president of Najabo for Atlantic and Cape May counties. Then I wound up winning the top 40 under 40 like locally here. And that was put on by the junior chamber of commerce, the JCs, and they worked closely with the Atlantic city weekly. So they, first they asked me the following year, they said, do you mind taking over? We need young people under 40. You're so great. You're already working with these women. I'm like, okay. So I moved over to the JCs. I helped build up that chapter. And I started working closely with the Atlantic city weekly. And because of that, that's when I started to get more into the entertainment. I started writing a column and doing my, that segment and people started knowing me as this go-to resource. Also at that same time, I wound up running for politics and I wound up being a councilwoman in Galloway Township for four years. And so I started to form all these relationships. I had political connections. I had women business owner connections and all these connections. And everyone was like, wow, you have your pulse on everything. And then that kind of transitioned into having the city pulse. But the main reason why I created the city pulse is because I like someone like me and like you, like you said, you do all these things, but we don't always have an outlet to put things on. So it's like, unless it's our own social platform. So I created the city pulse basically as a shared platform for people who are experts in their field to have their own, they can have their own blog basically within the website. So when you post your content, not only does it go to your own page, but it goes to the homepage with everyone else's content. And then it's just like a shared platform. So the people that follow me that read my stuff are now going to read your stuff and vice versa. And then we all get more eyes on our content. So that was the main goal. Also, I wanted it to be an event space, have a calendar of events and and things happening which is still in the process but at that time in 2020 we literally the just as i was about to launch the website the pandemic happened and there was no more nightlife no more dining no more entertainment nothing so i had to kind of pivot that to other things like health lifestyle fashion beauty stuff like that and now that we're back on track i'm working on bringing back the events 
and everything else because now there's so much going on. But I personally enjoy food. I love dining. I love going to the restaurants, making videos, posting it, and um, just showing people what's out there. Now, I want to talk more about networking because networking is so important in business. I agree. And, and I, agree. I always also say, and this is just me, and I'm I'm in the I'm not one, but I'm the demographic of creepy old guy, and <laughs> and, and they're but they're 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 at a lot of events. I I don't, I have no problem saying that because you know you know it. And and what is it like when you were young? From when mm-hmm. what was it like networking when you were a young 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 mm-hmm. woman? You're still a young woman, but we're also talking years later. But tell me about what it was like when you first started going to these networking events because. I know even for me, I mean, I lived in Hollywood for years. When I went for my first event out here, someone was a, a dick to me. This lady yeah. was a total dick to me. And I was like, well, wait a second. I just talked to Stephen Van Zandt and you're being a, a jerk to me. You know, and you <laughs> had that thing. And But I, I learned because I had a skin because I was in the entertainment business and you have to have a tough skin. But for you, what was it like? I want to I hear your progression of networking because it's, it, you're good at it. I mean, you're a council person. You were ahead of GCC. But when you started, what was it like? Did you have any social anxiety or what was it like when you first started doing it? It's very tough and it's it's great that you asked that because the way I do things now might be a little bit different than I did back then, because, you know, you're just kind of learning and meeting people. And, but because of those experiences, it took me to where I am today. So it's, it's a complicated answer in a way, but the thing is I knew networking was important. I had learned a lot from being in part of the women's groups and I felt like because I truly like meeting people and like, I I'll never forget going to an inauguration, the governor's inauguration. And I went with the people from my town and we got there and everyone's corralling together. And I went up the escalator and there was like hundreds of people I didn't know. And I was like, ah, like I'm so happy that I didn't know everybody. Cause I couldn't wait to say hi to everyone. So that's just my personality. It's not easy for a lot of people. I've been to a ton of events where people are just sitting in the corner or they're with the people that they actually work with already. And they're not there to actually network. So, uh, the thing is it was not easy. Let's say in the beginning, because you're right, people are standoffish people. And when you're young, especially, they don't even give you any credibility. They don't think that, you know, anything. And it's why, probably, why do you, th- I'm sorry to interrupt you. Why do you think that? Cause I, I would sit there when I would go to events after I got involved, I'm very involved up here in, in the South Jersey chamber and stuff like that. If I ever found out a kid went to Cherry Hill East or Stockton, I would take him under my wing just because it's a kinship, you know, Stockton, you know, yeah. that's that certain thing. But why, why do you think people are standoffish to younger people? Is it besides, I mean, what, and what can you do about it? Well, I personally feel it's lack of experience. People feel like you have lack of experience at the same time though. So it, it depends on the field that you're in. So for instance, if you're in social media, I think young people are just much cooler than me. Like they know everything. They know how to use the phone. They know how to use all the platforms. They know everything. But if you're in the finance field, like I was, I graduated with a finance degree. I'm like, who's going to want me to come to their house and give them financial advice. I don't even have my own house. I don't even have my own fund. How am I supposed to get that business? But that's where it, you have to draw on your relationships, your family, your friends, the friends of family, and try to draw and get that experience. You have to start somewhere and there are going to be people who give you that opportunity, but you're not going to find those people unless you put yourself out there to find those people. It's not easy, but if you want it to happen, it'll happen. How how much do clicks piss you off? Because I always, I always never, like you said, people sitting at work together. I never understood clicks at networking events because- yeah. You already have their business. Like, yeah. like you're not getting business. I think we're the same that, you know, when if I would go to a business networking event, I don't want to, I want to sit with nobody I know because <laughs> yeah. why do I want to sit with someone I already know? Yeah. I mean, maybe just one person that 
thing, but I mean, it's it's yeah. what what what's your feeling on clicks? Do they drive because they drive me up the wall, and I always think, you know what? Maybe go back to high school and become prom king yeah. or queen because you screwed up somewhere. But what what's your what's your take on clicks? Because you seem like so, a, a lone wolf. I am. I like. I hate. I don't even like going with anybody. I like to go by myself. I like to make my own play, my own rules. Leave when I want. Do what I want. But with the clicks, so it's kind of a weird dynamic because. If you're trying to get business from a person, or even if you have their business and you're just trying to build that rapport, sometimes you have to like hang out with them to like keep it going. But for the most part, if you're just hanging out with your current coworkers and you're just in a corner somewhere or you're just talking, the what is the point of going to a networking group if you're just gonna talk to the same people you already know? Like the point of going is to meet new people. So I I don't like it. I think more events should and should even facilitate telling people, okay. Everybody, you know, go if you already work with each other, go to the next part of the room or something like help people meet other people. Otherwise, people gravitate to what they're comfortable with and then they leave and they're like, oh, it wasn't that great or I didn't meet anybody or whatever the negative thing is. And it's like, yeah, because you didn't try. And, and the, the other thing people have to realize is we are all there for the same purpose, for the same reason. I'm going there because I want new business. You're there because you want new business. So obviously, if we try to meet each other, then that's a good thing. Not don't be nervous about it. That's the way I look at it. Now, what do you not like about networking? Because it's funny because, you know, there's 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 upsides. And there's, I mean, I'm like, I love talking to people. You know, I hate though. I hate when I go to networking and someone's talking my ear off, and I'm like, "Oh God!" And then you're like, "And and I was brought up to be polite, so I can't just oh, no, I gotta go." And then that's what sucked about when you would get like on Zoom. You know, you'd be stuck in a one-on-one. And you're like, "Oh my God!" I you're looking at your watch, like I got, I got this guy scheduled me for 45 minutes. I just can't cut him off, and you, and you can't say, "Oh, excuse me, I have to use the restroom," or you know. But what do you not like about networking? Because you seem well, to be like a networking master. Yes. Well, that's the number one thing I do not like when somebody hogs up your time. I hate that. I think it's rude, first of all, because obviously, like, I want to talk to you and I do want to like know about you, but I also am there because I want to make other relationships too and form other connections. So I've, there is a tactful way to get out of it. And I think most people understand. So normally, like, so for instance, there's times now even, which thankfully, you know, people know that I go on camera and sometimes I'll do interviews with people. So in, in the, the middle of that though, I'll be talking to someone and then I'll say, you know what, I'm sorry, I have to get going or I have to do this because I have something else to do. And they're always like, it's okay, go do your thing. But if that's not you and you don't have something else going on, what I would just say is it's, you know, it's really great talking to you. I want to hear your story, but we only have limited time here. And I really, there's someone I need to connect with also, but let's connect later this week or something. And people I think will understand that. Uh, that that's like my biggest pet peeve. My other pet peeve sometimes is food at the events because how am I supposed to be eating like a meatball sandwich, you know, and then talking to you and shaking your hand? Like there has to be, there's a delicate balance between food, drinks, talking and having like proper networking. And also if it's like really loud, like if there's a loud music or something, that's also very frustrating because you're trying to connect with people and talk to them and you don't want to have to go in a corner somewhere. Now, since you're on TV, so you have some celebrityism. How does that? How does has that change your networking? Because people people want to be close to celebrities. Like when you're in LA, you see people at restaurants all the time. Ah, eh, whatever. You know, you sit there. You're sitting next to you know whoever. I mean, I was sitting next. To, I was doing shots with Jonathan Taylor Thomas one night because he was sitting next to me. I said, "Hey, just do it." You know, it was so random. We were doing mind eraser shots, and he had a puppet in his hand. <laughs> 
I have no idea. That's L.A. But okay. there we see people all the time. But now you're on TV. So mm-hmm. you have a celebrityism. Do people tend to come up to you more now when you're in a networking event? Or are they a little like, well, I don't She might not want to talk to us because she's on TV. Because people don't know how to do that. How has the TV affected your networking? It's both. Sometimes people come up to you and they're like, oh my God, I see you on Fox. Like, this is so great. Or I've seen you on this thing or that thing. And then they they want to know more about what I do and they want to do business. And then there's like, even this morning at my breakfast, the one woman looked at me. She I know she saw me. She probably saw me on Fox. And she was just like, she went like a wave, little wave, but she didn't come over because I think she didn't know whether she should say hi or something. I don't know. Listen, I'm just like, I always say I'm Whitney from the block. I'm local to Galloway. I'm I'm still Whitney. It is what it is. Like people shouldn't feel shy to tell me or approach me. And in fact, I just, I find it very endearing because it's cool. You know, I'm on a little segment here and there. And the fact that people watch it and they actually listen to what I'm talking about. And then they go to the events and people message me all the time. Like, thank you so much. Or because you said this, I went there and it was so good or whatever it is. Like that's what makes me feel good. So I would I would rather more people approach me. The other thing is the caveat is, you know, being a woman in the industry, sometimes you get weird messages from people and you don't want them knowing where you are in that moment. So there's a lot of times where I'll post like, oh, hey, let's get the party started. But I'm already like gone right. or, or I'm already about to leave. So because I don't want people knowing I'm there and then they like show up and then it's weird. So now when did you start doing the interviews? Because interviewing is such a great uh it's a hard, it's a hard craft and people don't get that. But when, do you remember your first interview? I mean, do you, cause I remember my, I was 11 and I interviewed a guy for the local newspaper, the Cherry Hill News. My mom took me, it was for a school project. And, and then later I had him on my podcast. I tracked him down six oh months gosh. ago and he did my other podcast. But what was your first interview and what made you decide you wanted to get into that interviewing? Cause you're already so involved with other stuff, you know, networking and council yeah. person. What made you want to start interviewing people? I know I, there's like videos from maybe when I was a senior in high school where I was interviewing my family and I interviewed my sister for a fun segment. And when I was little too, I used to do these fun back in the day when you would like hit the button on the radio to hit record and pause and all that stuff. Like I have all these fun tapes. Actually, I wish I could find them. They were so good with my sister. So I was always wanted to have fun and do those types of interviews. But in terms of celebrity, I don't even remember. It's such a great question. I don't know. All I know is that I enjoyed it. And when I had the opportunity and the access to do it, I just kept the ball rolling. And then what wound up happening was a lot of celebrities were like, approving my interviews because I wasn't this major outlet trying to get them with anything. I had nobody breathing down my neck. I'm my own person, but I was getting their interview on major platforms, but I didn't, I could ask whatever I I wanted. I didn't have to ask something specific. So they trusted me and they would say, okay, you know, oh, it's Whitney. Oh, good. I know. And if they told me, listen, I don't want to talk about this, then I would not ask them about it versus like one of the reporters from, let's say a major national magazine would have to ask them about that because that's their job. So for me, I was able to kind of skirt around that because I was an independent person. And that really helped me, I think, grow with celebrities. Tell me about the food scene in AC. Because, you know, I remember when I was at Stock and we would, Thursday night was party night. And we would go to the Lagoon in Brigantine. The Lagoon, they had, a, they, they, they had a, back then they had a buffet at like 
for casino workers at 12 at night. And we would go and we'd fill our backpack with shit and come back like the next day. And it'd be like the grossest food. And I, I was I was down there when AC was just, you know, getting hit, but it's had its ups and downs. But what's the food scene like now? And what do you look for? Like as, you know, because you're, you're a food critic too. You know I mean? You, you have to, but what do you look for? Like, what do you sit there and go, man, I got to check that place out because I know you went to Hashagogo and oh, uh, yeah. and I went to the one in Vegas and they had the most insane chicken and waffles. Like the thing's giant and their Bloody Marys are insane. But what, you know, <clears throat> what, what do you look for? Like what's the food scene in AC like now? Is it a good foodie haven? It's always been a good foodie haven. We have a ton of great restaurants, especially celebrity restaurants, but and mom and pop restaurants and it's growing constantly. I look for... First of all, I like when food is fresh and and put together well. And I know that sounds like it should be all places, but it's not, unfortunately. And it's kind of sad, like when I go somewhere and and it's like subpar and I'm like, really? Like you could just be so much better and you're not. So um, the other thing is some restaurants get a little bit too... I don't know the word like crafty or like they, they try to make things that are really funky. Like, no, just make normal things that people want to eat. So some places go like really off way off and some places are just not good. But for the most part, I think also a lot of times new restaurants will have excellent menu, really fresh items. You know, they get good deliveries of food, but then as the years progress, they may go, okay, well, you know what? Uh, this chicken was so expensive. Now we're going to go with this chicken or we're going to go with this bread or this. And then all of a sudden it starts to go downhill because they're trying to save a penny, but it's also hard because it's hard to get people in to spend money, but you want quality. So to me, quality is what's most important. Ambiance of course is great. It's so cool. If you can go somewhere and get a really fun looking cocktail with like a nice garnish, that's cool versus going to a local bar and just getting a normal drink. So I think those types of things are really cool when people kind of elevate their dining. Now, the Atlantic City entertainment scene. Like, where do you like to go to see a concert? You know, and the Hard Rock gets some great bands. I mean, places, people are bypassing Philly, like Guns N' Roses bypassed Philly to go down there. Def Leppard mm-hmm. is going to be there if they were in Philly, but they're in a big stadium tour. What What do you like about the uh, AC entertainment scene? Is it is it is it just bustling right now? I mean, is it everything going on every yeah. night? Yeah, there's something to do all the time, even in the off season. There, it's busy. There's a lot of concerts, there's entertainment, there's comedy. ACJokes.com literally has comedy shows every night. And now they're at resorts on the weekend. So they're at Tropicana, they're at resorts. So you can really do anything. Plus a lot of the bars have live music. There's a lot of bands that play in different places. And then on the weekends, of course, you have the concerts and different people. I I think it's so great to be able to go to a concert in the city because guess what? If, the, if you go to a concert at Ocean Casino and you want to eat there, great. Or you can go out on the boardwalk and walk right next door to resorts or whatever you want to do. You can find something anywhere and then you can enjoy some of the other properties too to see, to kind of get a feel for what the city is. And I think people don't understand how easy that is. And it's so much fun and you get great entertainment and there's such good food in every property, especially like at resorts. My husband and I just ate a Capriccio and that's so people don't realize like that is such a great restaurant. It was like over the top amazing. Everything about it was so good. And that's at resorts. Like you would think people would say, oh, well, I'm going to go to this place here or go to Borgata. Yeah, they're all great. But if you know the hidden gems in different places, it makes it so much better. Now, why did you get out of politics? You were you were uh, you're a councilman for a council person, council is it councilwoman, council person, or council? It's what? council. Well, it's not councilman. Right. Um, it's councilwoman or council person. But so why did you get out of it? 
I, okay, that I got out of politics because I felt like, first of all, it was a huge learning curve, number one, to, and, and especially on the local level, to learn the budgets, to learn the different committees, to learn how everything is operating from, from you know, um, the police to the fire, to the budget, to public works, to this. It's so much to learn. And I really got in politics because I wanted to make a difference. And I, I grew up poor. So I there was nothing for me to do. We had no money and I didn't have any activities. And I lived here and there was literally nothing to do. So for me, it was like I wanted to create art and culture and opportunity for people in my area. And I was all like, you know, bright eyed and bushy tailed and wanted to do that. But with politics, as we all know, you know, there's a lot of stuff that goes on behind the scenes. And I was just not happy with a lot of things that were happening. I also felt pressured to do certain things that I didn't feel were right. And then I would go against it. And then like, you know, then all of a sudden I was a horrible person. So, and I'm like, I'm doing what I think is right for my town. But sometimes when you do that, then you're not going to make everybody happy. And then at the same time too, it's a very thankless job. This people who love you one day will hate you the next day. So I don't, I don't want that. I don't want that in my soul. I'm a good person. I, I really did it for the right reasons. There was a lot of drama in my town at that time. So it was kind of unfair to me and everyone else. And we didn't get to focus on some of the real issues because of this stupid drama that was happening. And I just said, you know what, if I ever go back into politics, it would be on a more, on a more regional or national level. And who knows if that'll ever happen, but probably never. Well, you're a really busy person. I, I know you do volunteer work too. Tell me about some of your volunteering. Cause I know you, I looked on your, it says on your website, you know, I'm asking people, it's uh, the citypulse.com and you can go to the tab about Whitney. It tells you all about her, all the TV shows, 17, <laughs> all, the, all the articles she's written. But tell me about some of your volunteering and what made you, is it because you grew up poor that you really wanted to get in volunteering and really give back? Yeah, I, it's for people, it feels so good. It's hard to explain it. It feels so good to be able to help your community and to do things and give back and volunteer. Nowadays, I'm not really on as many committees because back then I had volunteered my time so much that I was literally like, you know, you know, they, they say when you go in the airplane that you have to put the airbag on yourself and then save your kid, but you want to save your kid first. Like I was thinking I was in that phase. I was in the, the air mask phase where I'm like, you know what? I have to save myself in order to help everybody else because other, what I was doing was I was on this committee, that committee, this, and then I wasn't doing anything for myself and I was just drained. So I decided that I'd be able to help these organizations in different places more on like uh, a freelance or a part-time basis than to be on the board all the time. And that did help me. And then with the pandemic and everything, I mean, things just completely changed. So now I do a lot of things for people behind the scenes. You don't always see everything, but I help a lot of people. I form a lot of connections and I and business connections for people. And that makes me feel good that I'm able to do that because I have the connection. And if I make a call and I say, hey, listen, do you want to talk to this person? And they're like, yeah, of course, because they know that if it's coming from me, they can trust the source. Now, do you ever just get burnout? I mean, you know, you think about it, you're always networking, you're going to events, you know, I, I'm feeling a little bit of the burn on the network right now. I, I go to LinkedIn and I go, oh God, you know, another video of doesn't make any sense. Or I look at it and I go, oh, you go to an event and you go, oh God, this person's going to talk my ear off. And you have to do it and you have to be out there and it's a thing. But do you ever get burnt out? And if you do, because you're, you're always like, I always see you posting stuff. You're like here, you're here. You're and then it's like, it's not like you're, we're, we're 21 anymore. You know, it's like, then it was like, oh yeah, I can go here, here, here. I'm going to drive for four hours and come back and oh, we'll go to Atlantic City after <laughs> Party. Yeah. yeah. Do you ever get burnout? And and what do you do to deal with that to keep yourself fresh? Because 
what you do, you have to be fresh. You can't walk into an event and be like, hi, I'm Whitney. You have to be like, I'm Whitney, you know? Right. You know, so do you get burnt out? And then what do you do about it? I have severe FOMO, fear of missing out. And it's t- very hard for me to say no to doing something. But as I've been, as I've gotten older, I have to, you have to make time for yourself. I have to get sleep. I have to eat well. It's not easy to do that. I, I do get burnout a lot. My husband just told me the other day, he's like, Whitney, you're burning the candle on both ends because I am getting so busy right now. And the thing is, people are, want me to help them because of me. So it would be hard to like have help when I I know that, I don't know, but I would gather that if I had someone, let's say an intern or somebody helping me, it wouldn't be as up to par as what I needed to be. Although I could teach them what to do, but I need an assistant. At this point, I need an assistant because I have so much stuff going on and it is very easy to get burnt out and it is very easy to get sucked into wanting to help everybody. So you kind of have to know um, your boundaries and you have to know how to make, you know, a good time for yourself and, and have time for yourself. And then there's times where like, like yesterday, I literally, all I did for hours was just watch TV. I watched real housewives. I watched because I just needed to, I couldn't even look at my phone. Cause it's just like too many things. And then I was able to get right back into it. And cause I had that little reprieve. Give me so an example. It, it is- now give me an example of a of week, a week in Whitney's life. Like, give me like a few days. Like, just you know, I, I know it'll take, but you know, like today, I know this morning you had a good day Philly, then you had a breakfast, yeah. and you're doing this, and you have a lunch. But what is like? Let me look at my calendar yeah, and what, tell like, you. What is a day like? I mean, is it always just go? Except yesterday, but is it like what is your what is your life entail? So, so for instance, like this week alone, on Monday, my cousin came into town. She played uh, a game show at resorts. Then we went out and had lunch. Then after that, my husband, I had to do something with my husband. Then I had a call with my grandmother. And then I had a conference call at eight o'clock at night. So in between, I was I was doing work. The next day, I had a breakfast meeting at 8.30 in the morning. I got my hair done at 10. I had a call at 12.30. I had a dinner at five and then a viewing party because my friend was on Wheel of Fortune, right? afterwards at 6 30. And then on Wednesday I had to drive to Philly. I went to breakfast with a girlfriend because I wanted to catch up with her. Then we drove to see my grandmother because I had to drop off sneakers for her and then came home, did a couple of my errands and was able to kind of relax and get some stuff done. And then yesterday I just kind of relaxed, but then I had, um, a zoom call at five and I was supposed to go to Philly and I canceled because I knew I had to go to on Fox on Friday. And I'm like, I cannot do everything. So then today I got up at three 30 in the morning and then you have to be ready and happy and alive at like four 30 in the morning, drove all the way to Philly, did my segment, came home, had a breakfast at eight 30, met with somebody at 10, have your podcast. Then I have a lunch and I'm Jewish. So at sundown, then I'm a pumpkin. So then at four 30, I got to make dinner and I have to have the whole thing going on. So I'm, it's, it's a hard balance because I'm also a wife and I have a house and I have to take care of things. How is it with your husband? Cause you know, my, my first marriage, I didn't stand up. I was always out on the road and it's, it's, well, that's not why we got divorced. She was an awful person. That's why we got divorced. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> but like my wife now, we've been together. We've been married for three and a half years. We've been together for 11. But we met older. We don't have kids, so it's easier. And and she's glad when I leave. But how is it with you and your husband? Because you're always out and about. Does he ever just say, hey, Whitney, I want some me time? Or does he say, ah, just do what you do and we'll catch up when we catch up? 
is that uh, we'll do what we do. First of all, we'll, this June, we'll be married 20 years. So we've been together a very long time. We've been together, I guess, 23, 24 years. So when I first met him, I was in school full time. I was working in, at Hooters. I was also working at the video store and I was taking acting classes on the weekend. So when he met me, I was busy. I was always doing something. So this is not new for him. He knew me at that time and I've never slowed down. <laughs> I tried to slow down, but then new things come along my way, you know? So, uh, he's very supportive of me. He, he is supportive of me. And he's also one of those people that's like, you don't have to work, just stay home and you know, I'll take care of you, you know, but at the same time, he thinks I'm the coolest person ever because I do all these fun things. So I can't help it. I feel like I feel compelled. It's like, even if I go to a restaurant and I've never been there before, or um, they haven't hired me or whatever, I don't care. I always want to take my camera out. I take videos, pictures, just part of who I am. I can't help it. No matter where I am, I'm like picture, video, picture. So I wouldn't not be able to do this. I'd have to be able to do something. Okay. I have one final question. Um, sure. Where do you see your, where, where, what's the, what's the, trajectory of of the Whitney Ullman career do you know do you eventually want to be full-time on TV or are you cool being a big fish in Atlantic City because it's it's hard you know when you sit there you know you are the go-to person in AC so that's a great feeling but then if all of a sudden you go to Philly and there's 18 different people you're like oh wait a second I'm not on the list thing so that's how I feel in New York I'm always like nobody knows me here but in Atlantic City they're like oh what's your what what do you see as your future what do you want in the next few years I you know, ideally, yes, I would love to be an, on TV, be an anchor, have my own segment. I would love that to happen. And it's weird that it hasn't happened, actually. But I wouldn't want to do it full time, per se, right now, because I don't know what that would mean in terms of living arrangements and travel. Like if I was in Philly, I don't think I could commit to going to Philly every single day. But nowadays with COVID and everything, things are done on Zoom and online. So you never know. Um, I would like that. But really where, where I see myself is really focusing on my website, thecitypulse.com. It has great potential. And I would like that to be the main resource of events and happenings in the area. And then also highlight local experts who are good in their fields and want to get content out there and have a platform platform to put their content. That's important to me because I know it's important to people. And I really want to bring that more to life because right now it's great, but it can be so much better. And I'm working on that right now. Well, that's awesome. I want to thank you for taking the time. Give everyone your, uh, how they can get in touch, your Twitter, your, your, well, you probably have like 87 different ones. So give, give everybody, everyone all your stuff. So, you know, my name's Whitney. This is the easiest way to do it. Everything is go to Whitney, go to Whitney.com, YouTube, go to Whitney, Instagram, go to Whitney, all one word, G-O-T-O, Whitney, W-H-I-T-N-E-Y, go to Whitney.com. And it all takes you, go, even go to Whitney.com takes you to the citypulse.com. And I would just suggest if you want to follow the City Pulse, you can on Instagram, the City Pulse. And on Twitter, it's actually the City Pulse USA. But other than that, the go to Whitney, you'll be able to find the City Pulse. And if anybody ever needs anything, needs advice on where to go, what to do, what's happening. You can message me at any time. And I do an update every week on 94.3 WIBG. So I do a, like a Jersey Shore update. And then when I'm on Fox, I do some Philly and Jersey Shore entertainment. So you'll always find something that's happening on my platforms. So people check her out. Go to Whitney. Also, uh, you can find past episodes of The Coop Tank at thecooptank.podbean.com or on iHeartRadio. 
Stick, uh, Spotify or uh, the other one, Amazon Music. Also, you can hear my other podcast, coopertalk.net. There's over 940 episodes with entertainers and musicians that are big names. Uh, rvntelevision.com, every Friday and Saturday, Cooper Talk Local. Uh, you can go to that website and see past shows. I interview very established Philadelphia area comedians and actors. I want to thank Sweet Recording. Go to Sweet Recording, S-U-I-T-E, recording.com. I want to thank Joe Ganjami, the best producer out there in the business. So check me out on Twitter at Cooper Talk. Email me, cooper at coopertalk.net, and I will talk to you all soon.